Drunk Botany, episode 18. Hoist a glass and prepare to enter a world of gardens, brews, botany, and booze. Here's your host, Bill Creation. Everyone knows that your podcast hasn't really made it until you get to do an affiliate link for a shaving company. This was really hard for me, since I prefer old-fashioned methods of shaving, and most companies today market products that have more blades, plastic, and moving parts than I'm comfortable with. I strive to shave the same way that your grandfather did, with a single chromium-plated stainless steel blade. If it was good enough for American GIs in both world wars, then it's probably capable of tackling my own facial hair. That's how I came to find Vanderhagen. Vanderhagen makes a luxury shaving setup which includes a badger bristle brush that any bewhiskered man would be proud to own. They also provide a German steel double-edged safety razor blade. Forged in fire and hardened in ice, these blades hold their edge and fit your vintage razor. Find the perfect shaving set at drunkbotany.com razor and your refill blades at drunkbotany.com blades. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Drunk Botany. I'm your host, Phil Creation, and joining me today is Phil Creation Sr. And today we are drinking Yingling Traditional Lager, the oldest beer in America, or the beer from the oldest brewery in America, as the case may be. And what we are doing today is planting tomato seeds. Now, longtime listeners of the show will recall that I did an episode on seed starting previously, and my focus then was that there is more than one way to skin a cat, and thinking that there's only one right way to do things kind of results in many unskinned cats. So today we're going to learn how my father does tomatoes. His setup is significantly more involved than mine, uh, but his tomato plants also grow significantly larger than mine and have a lot more fruits. Uh, as a result, you know, I, I guess that's the difference between 35, 40 years of uh, experience and a guy who read a book. So um, what are you doing here? Looks like uh, looks like you've got some kind of box full of dirt. Uh, yeah, I have a vegetable flat, and I have it full of a growing medium, which you can buy at the, any garden center. Did you buy this one? Uh, no, this one I made myself, which you can also do. That's made from uh, one-third compost, one-third either perlite or vermiculite, uh, and one-third garden soil. Compost like in the episode that we talked about last time I talked with you. Correct. Absolutely. So did you get this recipe from a specific place, or is it like something that was handed down to you from Pop? Uh, yeah, it's a little bit of both, but probably from the Internet. Speaking of Pop, I had originally planned on uh, drinking Old Milwaukee's in his honor. I'm sure he would appreciate that. Yeah, I bet you're glad I didn't. <laughs> okay, so we're picking tomato varieties over here, and we've got way too many to choose from because uh, I might have a bit of a hoarding problem. And um, how many varieties do you think we got room for here? Uh, I'd say eight. 
So it looks like you've uh, you've got some furrows in here. I saw you kind of. It looks like there's about rows of uh, one and a half inches. Yeah, apart. I'll put them in about the again. This flat is about uh, maybe ten inches wide by about uh, eighteen inches long, and I'm making four long furrows and uh, cutting them in half so I can put four on one side and four on the other. They can be close together because they'll be transplanted once they they get up when they get three or four leaves on them which will be a couple of weeks about two weeks probably take about five days to germinate and another week or so before or 10 days before i could transplant them is this like a standard sized uh flat that you would get at a nursery yeah yeah whenever you buy a bunch of vegetable plants you usually if there's like four packs four to six packs fit in one of these you know those um those little plastic greenhouses they get from burpee and stuff like that that have that little plastic dome that goes over the top of them and the little pods that, uh, yes. the heat pellets that yes. you re, re yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's basically what this is. It, it looks similar to that. It's it just, just this is longer. It doesn't have the lid on it. And actually, actually, I, I will put the lid on it. Oh, you do have a lid over there. Yeah, I will put the lid on it and it just keeps the moisture in. What's the purpose of that? Uh, like, why do you want that well, moisture? Well, it doesn't dry it? out. It seems they seem to grow quicker with that with that moisture there. Okay, that's good to know. All right, so we've got a soil medium. We've dug our furrows. We've started doing things now. I've noticed you've got like some crudely split pieces of wood that you've labeled with a sharpie marker, and uh, that's going to tell us what we've got here, right? So correct. So far, you've picked uh, looks like pink Berkeley tie dye. This looks like. Costoluto Genovese, uh, Dark Galaxy, German Johnson. We got some seeds from Curtis Jackson, didn't we? Yes. Uh, so we'll pick whichever one those are. Now, I, 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 far be it for me to tell you your business here, but um, a lot of the folks that I talk to online don't trust just using these sticks like that, and they always make uh, a grid that's on a separate sheet of paper. Um, you know, in case like your cat comes in and knocks stuff over, you still know where it is. As long as you keep one in there, then you would know. Like, for instance, if we looked at this as a grid pattern and we knew that there were going to be, how many varieties do you say we're going to have? Eight. Eight varieties. So if we're going to have eight varieties, four here and four there, as long as you know where one is and its relationship to it, if you have the map down on this piece of paper over here, it lets you write down more information than would fit on one of these stakes that you've put together here for instance um there's only two varieties of tomatoes when you think about it right determinate and indeterminate i'd say so i mean i'm sure there are like some breeders out there who would call to question that but largely speaking from a home gardener standpoint those are your two basic things what are you looking for there the other seeds we were going to plant where are they I feel like we have almost all of them, right? You've got uh, you've got Kustrali, you've got the goat bag, you've got Beauty Latringa. You got Curtis Cheek over there, or no? Oh. I'm not seeing it. Well, we may not be planting Curtis Cheek then. Okay, so we've got these three. You've got the Dark Galaxy. This is Pink Berkeley Tie Dye. This is Castelluto Genovese. 
German Johnson is right here. Maybe they're in here. That's all of them, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's eight. I had some really exciting cherries that I wanted to bring, and I left them at home before I made the trip down the long dirt road in, uh, into South Jersey. Well, here. we'll plant what we got, and then uh, while I have more time, I'll, I'll always do another flat. Uh, we'll do this uh, beef bush steak hybrid. Okay. You've got room for these ones here? Let's see. we got five in there. Because what I don't see... I think you... Is that the one you wanted to do? Yeah, I really want to do this. That'll be six. This is the Beauty Latringle. When I look at the pictures of this online... Now, this is none of these are tomatoes I've ever grown before. This is an exciting experience for me. And I really want to game the system and get a head start on the season because I had a really bad setback last year and I don't want to revisit it uh, again next year so this Beauty Latringa it looks kind of like the Rolling Stones logo or the cover of the Rocky Horror Picture Show like this tomato looks like a set of lips with like a tongue kind of sticking out a little bit it's uh, beautifully graphic I love it and some of these are seeds that I got in trades, uh, and these ones here are mostly from Curtis Jackson. And I have another set of seeds coming to me from Blaine and uh, from Mary Seeds. Mary Seeds sent me the evil olive tomato, and I want to feature that in a cocktail that I hope to make at the end of the season as long as it grows properly for me. So I see you over here labeling up a storm and we're picking out our seeds now it looks to me like you've reserved about a foot of space for each variety like in, if you were thinking of it in terms of a number line uh how many seeds would you plant from left to right here i just pinch them in and probably put about 10 or 12 seeds in there just to get three or four yeah right and then as they grow i'll thin them out so you do thin yours out yes okay i never used to thin mine out because you know sometimes uh i get seeds I, I don't get seeds the way that a lot of people do uh sometimes i'll only get three seeds of a variety and i'll just count on seed saving to be able to propagate that in the future i i, I do mine in plugs i did an episode earlier on where I wrap my seed starting medium in newspaper so that I have individual little pots and I can label that paper for what it is and I'll put three seeds in there and then I'll just bust that piece of paper open and I'll very carefully take the little seedlings out and replant them in their own plots because you don't always get a hundred percent germination right correct do you do germination tests no no might it be easier if we do it like this, representationally? None of these, right here. Pink broccoli. See, we're overthinking it a little, you know? And then the goat bag. To me, it looks like you got room for two more varieties here. Well, no, one, two, three. This is six. 
four, five, six. Okay. Seven. Wait a minute. That's Kostrali. Okay, so seven, and you want to do this, the gift, Mayo's Delight? Why don't we do a colorful one like this black tomato here? Well, isn't that a Pomodoro? Oh, oh that's... Oh, well, Pomodoro, I think, is Italian for love apple oh, okay. or tomato. Okay. So these are actually seeds that I had brought in from Italy. These are Italian seed packets, which is why they're so large. Okay, so what we're going to call this is... This is, um, it says... Noir de Creme? Yeah, I think it's, uh, Black Crimean. Okay. See, it's, this is in another language. Okay, That's Black what's throwing Crimean. it. That's what we'll call it then. Yeah. So where are we down here? This is the basement? This is the basement. Why do you choose this spot? Well, because it's, uh, out of the way. Nobody comes in here. It's, it's a basement. It gets dirty with all the dirt and stuff in here, and... You know, got a cement floor. Well, that's good. You're only like a broom sweep away from uh, being clean. All right, now what are we doing? We doing Mayo's Delight? Or no, I want this costrally. Uh, it took me a long time to get my hands on this particular okay. seed variety. Uh, this is supposed to be a really great one for sauces, but it's also good for fresh eating. I believe it's originally a French variety. Okay. They're marked. All right. I'll open that for you. How many seeds you want? Seven or eight. Here you go. You got to be careful when you do this that you don't drop any seeds. And then like, that way they go into another spot, and then you don't know what you got. Uh, have you ever employed the butter tub method? No. What is that? Well, that's like uh, if you take a country crock tub, like that little plastic container that mm -hmm. would hold like butter. A tub of butter right um, and once it's empty and cleaned out you put your seed starting medium and you only dump one type of seed in there and you get it nice and moist and you cover it up because I, I heard that in the beginning stages when you're just germinating the seeds you don't actually need the light that's correct so they'll all pop up and this is also a way that people do germination testing so you can see how many of these seeds are starting to go, and then you can take tweezers or your fingers or whatever, and you just take the seeds that are just starting to, like, push that little bit of green out and begin to grow. That, that'll form the root, and people will then bury that. So now they're dealing with things larger than a seed. And that way, you can also limit uh, your losses. You know, like, you, you are essentially thinning before you even start, because you're only planting ones that have grown. Yes, but this way I have them all in one ba one batch, and uh, space-wise, it makes a lot more sense. Gotcha. I personally, I go, again, with the newspapers, because I like the cellular approach, the idea that there's one variety in one place, and then I, you know, pot them up by planting the whole cell. I, I stole that idea, again, from the Burpee Greenhouse, uh, and I just wanted to figure out if there was a way that I could duplicate that myself. So, here, let me just tear that open for you. See, these Italian seed packets have so many seeds in them. That's plenty. Look at how many still got in there. Hmm. Got to be 200 seeds in there. But then these other ones that I paid significantly more money for, I got like 20 seeds. And that's, I think, where the miracle of seed saving comes in. Is you figure out what tomatoes are going to be your tomatoes, you know? So my goal is I, I try to plant a couple of things that I know I'm going to like because they're things that I remember you talking about when I was a kid. 
and then I try to plant new things because I'm still like I know roughly what tomatoes are your tomatoes but I'm still trying to decide what tomatoes are going to be my tomatoes maybe I team up with you here you're doing about 10 so when I look at this I kind of envision a farmer tilling his field the way he kind of cuts the furrows in there and I imagine that what we're doing kind of throws back to the idea of a guy just going through and dropping a seed in there and then he thins out except that we're using a controlled environment so this is a lot faster when we're both working teamwork makes the dream work right, you just put this one in yep that's done you just did the pink bricks we've got this beauty latringa and this genovese okay. we're done yeah we're done now i had talked to a couple of people and they said that if you have the seeds to spare drop as many as you can you know to get so that way you can always be growing the strongest one mm -hmm. some of these varieties though again like i said were kind of rare for me they're, they're scarcity of resources so i have to be a little stingy on them in the end the strongest plants will be the ones that i want to save my seeds from do you save seeds no we should get you started on it i have a nice episode on that that i did with phoebe north so what you got there that's a big my dad has just picked up a big white bucket he's reaching into it it's just more medium that i will so we're going to cover it to make everything yeah. nice and dark yeah rather i don't want to disturb what's in here and then wind up pushing the seeds away from where they're supposed to be so what would you say is the depth that you're going for about a quarter when inch. you're planting this quarter inch yeah when i use peat moss i just kind of stick my pinky in there I like drop maybe a couple two tree seeds in there and then I pinch it shut. That's good. You know? If your pinky's a quarter inch, then you're right on. Well, I mean, I aim to push it in around a quarter of an inch, you know. I'm going to teach you the way I do it, Dad. I think it's going to change your life. So, this method looks like it's going to work no problem. What I think is really the thing that sets you ahead are these lights here. Now, I could never afford... What, what, is, what is this? Is this just a... Basically, it's a shop, shop light. Shop light, four foot shop light with two neon bulbs in it. You get from any Home Depot, Lowe's, one of those stores. Is this They're a plant specific light? Twenty dollars, and they usually come with the with with the neon lights in them. Or sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But you can also buy uh, what we call a grow light, uh, which is specifically made for growing vegetables. That's just a little that's more, just this bulb, right? Right, a little more expensive, but uh, they, they it's a better it's a better light. That has what to do light light spectrum. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, not that you can't use the neon lights. You know, I I've used both, as you can see. I got one with it and one without. Dad, I've used clip-on contractor lights, the thing you get for seven dollars that you use, where you're like, oh, I'm getting under a car and I need to see something, and I'm going to clip it there. I've used those. Do you see over there that little plastic thing that has, uh, like, uh, swim toys in it over there so that, like, mice won't eat them? That yeah. little plastic thing? I have started seeds in that. I've used that as a greenhouse, and I just stuck one of those clip lights on there with a little CFL compact fluorescent light bulb. 
in there, and that's how I got like the last three years of tomatoes to go. Well, for me. The, the, that's a fluorescent light. It's yeah. just that this th- this just gets you a little. You get more for your money, I think. Here. I think so too. I think that uh, first of all, this light is brighter. Second of all, it covers a lot more uh, surface area. So it's a lot easier to, you know, if you want to, like, what what, you, what would you say? You think we just plant out 100 plants? At least 80. We had to have dropped 10 seeds in each thing. We got eight uh, varieties. Six or eight seeds. Say eight, six times. Oh, uh, I dropped a lot more. About than <laughs> 50 or 60. You're going to be giving plants away to people. <laughs> well, again, I'll thin them out, keep in mind, okay? Because I can't plant everything. Yeah. Don't forget, I have another tray of these to plant yet. Yeah. Okay. And and I. And I it's want... always the hardest part of this for, for me. And then my year. my big tomatoes are my uh, my beef master, which I'll plant at least six of them. I'll plant at least six of the bush beef steaks. You like the bush beef steak? Come in, to me, it's that beef master all the way. I love that. I love that tomato. Well, what I like about the, about it is that I don't have to stake it. Yeah. Or you know, I don't you know, whereas my beef masters and, and my hybrids. Indeterminates, I you know I have to put cages up five feet. <laughs> oh, see, I I have never had luck with cages. My stakes always break, or I can't get them tall enough. Well, I, I worked make out a scheme with cages, so that's why. What do you make your cages out of? Just like uh, wire, maybe six inch by six inch spacing on the wire, and it's about five foot high. And I just ran them. Oh, so maybe I got about two feet in diameter around it. Gives plenty of room and. It's easy for the branches to go through because of the six-inch holes, you know, spacing in the wiring. But that gets expensive, too, and it's time-consuming. I train everything on string. I use butcher twine. Well, that's a good way to do it. I kind of stole the idea from Mel Bartholomew. He had that whole idea of using that conduit. But I didn't, you know, I, I, I don't know anything about bending conduit. You know, I didn't mess with that. So I just looked for a high anchor point. And then I made an arch of string, and I just anchored everything to that arch of string. And I was able to train five plants to one string. And then I, every time like a new piece of growth would get close to touching the ground, I would sort of lasso that bad boy and tie it up top. And it kind of looked almost like a Christmas tree, the way that the... The, the tomato plant wound up growing. It was taller than I was. I have like the most amazing picture of my son with it. Yeah, it's a good idea. I like the I like the garden hacks and the different ways that people go about doing things. We've covered the lights. You mentioned that you like to use this spot in the basement because it's a basement and you don't have to worry about it getting messy. All right. Now, I'm noticing something vastly different about your basement than my basement. And not to say, like, and it's not just that my basement is more of a mess. Uh, my basement is freezing cold. Like, there are parts of it that will develop ice in the wintertime. Well, that's too cold for stark seeds. That's what I always figured. You can imagine the uh, argument that we have in the uh, second Cretian household when uh, seeds starting season comes around and I try to take over the picture window. Well, I have a greenhouse so when it comes around, maybe the end of March, I'll put them out in the greenhouse and uh, I have a uh, a mini greenhouse in my greenhouse which is about uh, five foot tall by about three foot wide. By this guy. Even his foot. greenhouses have greenhouses. And then 
I'll put them in there with a uh, maybe a 75 watt floodlight or 100. Oh, I think it's a 75 watt floodlight, and that's enough heat to keep it even if the temperature goes down to around 30 degrees or so. That it you know it'll stay 40, 45 degrees. In there. So you're using the heat from the floodlight to keep it warm. Yes. Okay, so uh, I had like a heating issue just recently, and I wound up picking up at Walmart at a very reasonable price, like $16, kind of reasonable, utility space heaters. I think I could just adjust the settings on that, plug it in downstairs. Set, I have one of these shop lights. I just never set it up because, again, the cold down there. I, do you think I could use those two things together, start my own tomatoes in my basement this year? and Once she sees the electric bill. Yeah. Maybe we don't do that. Well, I might have more tomatoes for you to start then. Again, if you just took the little mini greenhouse and put your flood lamp in there, that would solve your problem. I do have a mini greenhouse, but it's one of those little plastic jobbies. It's like, is is made of like uh, like ten mil plastic. Like the it's one got behind zippers you? on it. Yeah, like this thing. This is the exact one I have. It's got these little wire shelving units. It's like PVC pipes that yeah. are put together, but they're tiny, like tent poles. And, and as you can see, I have a fluorescent. I have a couple of fluorescent lights in there, so that uh, I can put my plants in there. And as the plants grow, what I'll do is I'll maybe put some some bricks or cinder blocks in there with a board on it, and I'll just lower the cinder blocks or the or the regular bricks. As the plant grows. All right. Sounds like you got a plan here. And so, honestly, it can cover it. And like I say, if, if, it's, if it's going to be chilly, you know, to your basement, it's going to be colder than, say, 55 degrees or 60 degrees, throw your, throw your flood lamp on. You know, every time I've ever started seeds uh, using, you know, either the butter tub method or uh, starting things in peat pots that I've made out of newspaper... I've always kept them next to the forced air heat, and I find that I get germination in about three days with the temperatures that come out of that thing, because it'll get so warm, but it won't, like, cook the plants. And that's what you want. I've heard other people had success with starting them on top of the refrigerators and things like that, but again, like, it's, yeah, I've, it's I've pretty warm them, down here. I don't think you need to do it. In anything. the past, I've put them on top of my uh, heater, my home heater. Yeah, it was just warm enough that you know it put a it did like you say it didn't cook them, but it kept them nice and warm, and they would germinate in two, three, three days maybe. So now that we've got our seeds tucked in and ready for bed, do we want to add any water to them, or have you done that already? I've already done that. Uh, when I first put the mixture in there uh, in my bucket, I mixed it with water and you know really stirred it around, so that's in good shape. And and because of the perlite in there. It'll, uh, you know, it'll hold water for oh, a good week. And we don't want to put any type of fertilizer on this right now, right? No. That, that's just likely to kill these no, little we don't things, want, right? Not, not, I don't want to put any fertilizer on I'll transplant them in the cups in a couple of weeks, two to three weeks. And then uh, after that, they'll stay in those cups till I'm ready to put them in the ground. At that point, I will fertilize them. All right. So you're going to expect to see... The first steps of life, life in the next couple of days. Uh, three, four, five days. Yeah. By the time this episode makes it to the internet, there will be plants here. Very possible. All right. That sounds exciting. Is there anything else you want to tell me about this? What's our next step? Our next step is watch it grow. Watch it grow. 
All right, that's my favorite step. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's how to start seeds the right way. I do still think that there are things that I've done differently that I would still keep. But my big takeaway on this whole thing is that my big problem in life is temperature and light. When you come to my dad's spot in South Jersey, it is all these problems are set up. He's carved this space away. He took it from his dad, right? That's right. This is Pop's spot. I learned my seed growing from my father. And then this way we passed the, the baton. But this is literally the exact He used to sleep in this room. At one time. Well, it sounds like we're winding down the show. So if you want to search us out at Facebook at Drunk Botany, you can find all of our episodes on social media. And you can comment, like, and share. You can also visit us at our website, DrunkBotany.com. And I hope to see you next week. I guess that's it. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, so I have a tiny little bit of banter here for the end of the show after all. I wanted to take a moment to talk about the Northeastern Pennsylvania Chefs for Sustainability event, which is a farm rescue dinner, which is going to take place at the Radisson at the Lackawanna Station in Scranton, Pennsylvania on April 8th. 2018 between 4 p.m. and 8 p.m. This is a gala style event with 20 of the best chefs in the northeastern Pennsylvania area. The farm that we are trying to rescue is the Quails Are Us farm in Honesdale, Pennsylvania. These folks are really well known among the culinary circuit as having really high-end poultry products such as quail, a series of unfortunate events that include illness and loss of employment have caused for this particular farm to be underwater in their mortgage. And this is a problem that you will see in light of tight operating costs in many types of farms all over America. But this one hits close to home for me, for my employers, and for everybody in the line of work that I do. So, along the notion of it taking a village, we've decided to all band together, different rivals getting together towards the same end. Without farmers, there is no food. Without food, there is no restaurant industry. Without no restaurant industry, there is no bar industry. So, if you like food and hate poverty then the Farm Rescue Dinner is for you. Now, if you're in northeastern Pennsylvania, there's a long link that I could give you, which you'll find in the show notes page, but if you would like something short and easy to remember, all in lowercase letters, drunkbotany.com slash tickets, and purchase tickets to this gala event. They're roughly $100 a piece, and uh, there will be some of the best culinary offerings from all of the area chefs made available to you. Now, this podcast transcends geographical areas, so you may be listening to this and thinking, I'm nowhere near Scranton, Pennsylvania. How can I help? Well, lucky you, you still can. There is, once again, a complicated website that I could give you that would lead you to the group's GoFundMe page, but in the interest of brevity, I have condensed things down at a web link on my own site, which is drunkbotany.com slash save the farm. Save the farm is all lowercase and one word. 
So, in the meantime, think about joining us for the Farm Rescue Dinner, and if you can't be there in person, be there in spirit on our GoFundMe page. I personally intend to be there as a volunteer, helping to make sure that things go correctly as well as possible, so if you do make it into the area, be sure to ask for Phil from Drunk Botany and come say hi to me and Gary Edwards, my boss. I would like to remind everybody that this... Thank you for listening to Drunk Botany. Visit us at drunkbotany.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll join you next week.